one. Is it time to throw out the textbooks? I mean, bond market TLT got killed yesterday and market was up. Bonds down again today. We're down, but not out. We're getting a bunch of earnings. They seem okay. How are the stocks reacting? Is it by the dip and Lockheed Martin after their uh, little decline this morning? We'll discuss it with Roggy Horner at 8.35. It's Tuesday. It's pre-market prep. Coming to you live from downtown Detroit, this is Benzinga's pre-market prep. With your host, Joel Conan. This is a volatile puppy here, isn't it? And Dennis Dick. I'm bidding a penny. I'd buy that stock for a penny. With everything you need to start your trading day. Welcome, traders and investors. After a week close, we are down here. Nine and three quarters handles, 43.91 and a quarter, just off that pre-market low. Uh, the buck is back under 106, but not really going down a lot. Down six cents, 105.97. As I mentioned, bonds are down over a half a point, giving back that rally from last week very easily. Uh, 110 to 23.30 seconds. Crude, new high of the move uh, yesterday, hanging up near 87 bucks, up 19 cents at 86.85. Gold, holding steady, up 280, 1937.10. Silver, that's up a dime at 22.86 and a half. And Bitcoin, after sprinting over 30,000 yesterday, it's up $30 at 28,605. First question for Dennis is Dennis, how many times can Bitcoin have a rally off an ETF get a, getting it? Oh, I know. It's every other day they got news. Oh, they're going to get an ETF. Oh, they're not going to get an ETF. They're going to get an ETF, folks. It's coming. The ETF is coming. Does this change everything or is this, you know, the sell on, on, you know, buy on rumors, sell on news? I don't know. But I'm telling you, eventually the Bitcoin ETF is coming. They're going to, they've tried to, you know, obviously stall this as long as possible, but it's coming. So I don't know what that means for Bitcoin long term. I'll tell you long term, obviously we don't have really fundamentals. It's all on technicals on Bitcoin. There's no cash flows to analyze or anything like that because the cash flows are zero. It's all just on technicals. The technicals don't set up that bad. I mean, we've kind of just been, you know, meandering here between 23, 25, 28,000 for the better part of a year. So I feel like you're forming a base to eventually go higher because one, these Bitcoiners are not going away. These hodlers are not going away. Um, I, I have a little chunk in the long-term portfolio that I've had there for a while. And it's kind of just been doing nothing, obviously, for the last two years here. Um, I don't know. What do you own any Bitcoin? You're all out, right, Joel? Yeah, I, I I don't have any. I mean, it's um no, I had it a long time ago. I mean, it's it, it's blah. It's been blah here for blah. but blah yeah, sometimes yeah. good. You know That's what? the I consolidation kinda, period. Yeah, yeah, and I kind of think the market too. I mean, is I mean, it's I think it's incredible the way we're hanging in here. I I, I look at uh, uh you know whatever geopolitical situation. I look at the bond market. Oh, yeah. I look at that rally yesterday. It, it, the rally, you know what the rally was about yesterday? Because no. some fathead, 
says, oh, I think rates need to stop going up. And then tomorrow, some fathead's going to come and say, oh, I think, I mean, it's just all hearsay innuendo. I mean, this market is just trading on, you headlines. know. Headlines. Yeah. It, it's a headline-driven market. It is. Overall. And, and, and this is why, Joel, this is such a good point that you're making. This is a headline-driven market, and that's why we continue to chop around because you get the one headline here, the one headline saying another thing. I mean, who's really made the money in the last two years? The contrarians, Joel. The contrarians. Because really, you know, bring up the long-term chart. And S&P is a little bit, you know, a little bit. You can even do it on the S&P. I mean, SPY. We're at the same spot we were two years ago, folks. IWM, we're lower than we were two years ago, significantly lower because we we're up at 217 area. And now we're down at 173. So the overall, you know, small cap space and, you know, really a broad market look is probably down in the last two years. QQQ is pretty much the same spot we were two years ago. I mean, we had the big rally up to 400 Qs and all the way down to 250. Obviously, it was a buying opportunity. And we're back up near those highs. But Really, I mean, if you've been fading moves, you've been doing really well the last couple of years. And if you're just sitting here hodling, you're really not done nothing in the last two years overall in the market. So obviously in the last six months, it's been fantastic. 2023, the first half of 2023 was a huge run up, especially for tech stocks. But, you know, give a perspective here. You wonder, you know, long term, if this is just the consolidation period to eventually go higher. But so many things to worry about, too. So it's difficult. And then I just look at rates and I think, well, you know, long-term performance in the market's gone nowhere for two years. But, man, you get five and a half sitting in cash. It doesn't feel that bad. All right, let's bring in uh, Mitch. Mitch, we got a, a slew of earnings. And uh, what are you worried about? Uh-oh. He's worried about I'm in here. Show. I'm in here. There Sorry, I was doing a poll for the chat. I was asking I saw that. if you felt this uh, rally could be sustained. So you guys in the chat, go ahead and answer that question. And let's take a look. I mean, it's been pretty interesting on the queues. I honestly was surprised. I was looking at it and I was like, man, if if we can break through this trend line here, that's like bunching up on the dailies, get through 380s. Is really 400 out of reach on the queues? Again, it's hard to be bearish the cues, And the main reason is that the cues, the major components have very little debt. And yeah. a lot of the stuff that they sell is kind of like inelastic. I mean, like you said, like cell phones, people want to upgrade their cell phones. They seem to find. I challenge in a really tough economy if that's going to be the case. But we know NVIDIA, you know, it's had a lot of pull for it. You know, they're, they're firing on all cylinders here. Tesla's done fairly well considering you know you'd think you'd have a slowdown here but it's this move to ev and people don't think about other you know the other evs they think about tesla is going to go buy an ev car they think about buying a tesla so overall q has been very resilient but i do believe a lot of that resilience because there a lot of those companies have very little debt so if you're shorting stocks and thinking well the rates are even going to go higher than here I mean, this is, you know, not the place to really be short. So, like, I had the Apple short on. It's come back in a little bit again. I talked about shorting at 180. I did not. It came down to 177, 176. Valuation is high, but they don't have any debt. So you've got to compare what's been really happening. And the companies that have been punished and murdered are the ones that are loaded up with debt because rates are here to be higher for a longer period of time. So, I mean, that's why the separation between the Qs and the IWM. Most of the IWM companies have a lot of debt. The smaller companies finding their way, the smaller companies, they're just capital intensive companies a lot. And the banks have underperformed because of the debt. If you really separate it 
in the last three to four months since the long-term rates have really started ticking down, especially in the last six weeks. That's really the separation. The companies that have a low relative debt have done fairly well. And the companies that have a lot of debt have done very poorly. So if you think rates are here to stay and longer term rates even go higher, if you think that, I'm not in that camp, but if you do think that, you don't really want to be short tech. They bought, no. the, dip at Apple. They bought the dip in Apple yesterday, right? Uh, the old, uh, you know, not selling as many phones in China opened up right near the low of the session. And that, that was the driver yesterday. I mean, if you looked at Apple, Microsoft, Google, Amazon, I mean, Google's been holding up really well. Not that far from all-time highs, right? 140 versus just over 150. It's just been a sneaky rally. Amazon, yeah. you know, has had its uh, bumps and bruises, but uh, that's had a sustained rally. We all know about NVIDIA. Tesla, I think Tesla is going to be kind of like Bitcoin, you know, just in a you know in a, in a trading range, too. So uh, now the companies do have earnings coming up, and, you know, we'll see, we'll, you know, we'll see what moves on earnings. But, uh, you know, Goldman Sachs uh, up a buck 41 on earnings. Earnings, J&J's up on earnings. Let's see if they can hold their rallies. It'd be impressive today, especially with the bonds down almost a point. And bonds down again. Like, I mean, this yeah. is just like, I keep thinking, like, how does the market continue to hold up? Especially just separate out the QQQ. And I'm, I mean, it's not going to be as effective as rates, but the IWM is. IWM is still perilously close to the lows here, Joel. I mean, put the TLT that. chart on the IWM chart. You want to see correlation, positive correlation, that TLT and that IWM are very correlated together. So, um, I mean, that that's just showing you that the market does actually care about rates here, even if tech stocks don't. Now, what is going to change this market or could take us down, Dennis? What do you think could be that? Well, if rates continue, long-term rates continue to go higher. I mean, if TLT continues to go down. And you know what? It's not bouncing out of here. And yes, I do have, you know, my position in TLT still, which was a half size position to start. Um, I mean, that's going to just, it's eventually hit stocks. There's just I, no I think, doubt. They can't I, handle longer term rates going higher than this. We can't get up to six, 7% because everybody is saying, why in the hell am I investing in the stock market? Like the Tina trade will not only matter to utilities. If we get up, let's say the hypothetical situation. It's a great question here, Mitch. If we get up to the Rick Santelli 12% oh, long term, nobody's investing in the stock market anymore. Like yeah. nobody. Everybody's taking their money out. Because you know what? Stocks are going to be way down too. So it's going to spook everybody out. If Rick Santelli is correct, Jeremy Siegel on CNBC, if Rick Santelli, and he's going to probably be saying the opposite, but if Rick Santelli <laughs> is correct, and I think he is wrong, wrong, wrong. I think he said that just to get headlines. But when he's talking about 12% long-term rates, everything is different. The S&P is, a, you know, how far are we down from here, Joel? 1,000, 2,000 points at 12% rates? You know, we're oh, significant. Right. We're 20, 30% lower, maybe even more, if that was to materialize. I do not think that is going to happen. But the, the major risk to your original question here, Mitch, the major risk to your question is long-term rates continue to rise. That will punish everything. I think eventually we're going to stop going down or, or higher on the long-term rates and stop going down on the TLT, but it hasn't turned around yet. One area that I'll definitely be watching, and we still got a lot of time for this, is going to be NVIDIA's earnings, right? Um, we don't. We have right now November 21st, 
Um, but as you can tell, that's more than a month out. But the biggest thing for me is look at all these price targets. Look at all these price targets. They're ways away from here, man. And um, if for any reason, like let's say NVIDIA disappoints, I think that's what definitely could ruin this tech move for the, for the rest of the year. So we'll see what happens with that situation. What's happening with NVIDIA today? Because I just noticed NVIDIA is down seven bucks here now. Is this just market effects? Was there something, probably some analyst lowering a price target or something because they're so sensitive that crap. But I mean, what's happening with NVIDIA right now? Before we get into the earnings here, this one stands out. NVIDIA is definitely getting hit harder than uh, a lot of stocks here this morning. A lot of stocks are flat. Yeah, the only thing anything? I see out there is a Taiwan semiconductor dropping plans for northern Taiwan site for chip facility, but that's not necessarily. I'm wondering if there's 100% an attached commentary. to NVIDIA. And, and I think, NV when did it start falling, Joel? When did NVIDIA start falling? Uh, let's go to NVDA. Let's take a look. Uh, boom, boom, boom. It's been pretty much, uh, where's the 4 a.m.? Uh, really, since 4 a.m. They kind of that 4 a.m. open, they kind of got it. It was up at uh, 460.65. So if you would have gotten up early, you could have hit that thing flat. The volume really didn't come in until about 7.15. So I don't think it should have been up yesterday. And now it's down today. So yeah. uh, it's what you're taking a look at. I did uh, I did get the, um, the IWM up there in the TLT, Dennis. Thanks for the help of, uh, of Jeff here. The I IWM is on the bottom here. And look at, look oh, at you've the got the two charts put together. Yeah. Yeah. Jeff helped me with this off uh, this version. So there yeah, you go. Says, so IWM, is that IWM and TLT? That's IWM. Yep. IWM. Oh, 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 no, it did. It did. It, it, uh, it, I say those are really correlated. <laughs> those yeah. Are, those ever correlated. Those ever correlated. Anyways, you get the point. You guys can ballpark it. I, we don't have to see it on the chart. So yeah, I can you, do you, it if you, you want. You know what we're talking about here. Okay. Earnings, right. earnings parade here. Money Mitch. Let's get to Bank of America. First up, big banks are in focus as Q3 earnings reports. Bank of America had a stellar quarter with earnings per share coming in at 90 cents, beating the estimated 81 cents. Their sales also exceeded expectations at 25.32 billion with a net interest income by 3%, but there was a slight dip in consumer banking revenues with average deposits down 8%. Of course, we've talked about the deposits. Deposits are down 8%. Why is that? Of course, the Tina trade is dead and they're finding yield elsewhere, right? Yeah, people aren't setting money just in their bank account collecting nothing. They're like, I can get 5% just moving over to here. Well, I'm going to do that. And that's what you see happen. Yeah. Um, banks just are going to be out of favor and continue to remain out of favor, despite what the Charles Schwab CEO said yesterday. And he was trying everything, man. He's like, <laughs> higher rates are good for Schwab. Higher rates. He just kept saying, higher rates are good for Schwab. We're going to be good if rates go higher. Well, yeah, long, long, long term. But short term, the problem is, especially when you get to the traditional banks, is that they borrow short and they lend long. And they're right now, their earnings curve is inverted in so many cases. And that's why the banks continue to underperform. Imagine having a 30-year mortgage and you're lending money for the next 30 years at 3%. Upside and then down. you look at the current you know, rates and the treasury, it's at 55 those are very bad deals, Mr. Uh, CEO of Charles Schwab. So I will call your bluff and tell you right now that no, 
Higher rates are not good for Charles Schwab. Higher rates are not good for Bank America. Higher rates are not good for the banks because they've lent out too much money long term. Shitty. I'm going to say it right now. Shitty. I don't swear very often, but I'm dropping it. Shitty rates. What if they ever have to mark everything to the market? They're all, if they had to mark, and a lot of these regional banks had to mark to market, most of them are insolvent, the little ones. I'm not joking. They they got so many bad mortgages on the book here. They had to mark to market, and a lot of these things are all in a lot of trouble. So I think it's still a major issue. I think we're going to continue to have regional banking problems. Me and Money Mitch have been talking about this. KRE is not participating in any type of a rally. Yesterday, you have this rip. Look at yesterday. We have this rip roaring S&P rally that everybody's talking about. Oh, my gosh. The bulls are so strong. And look at what the KRE goes up. 20 cents. Doesn't participate. Why doesn't it participate? Because all these banks that it's got in the KRE are all in the wrong side of these mortgages. Eventually, that's coming to roost. I think you're going to have a regional banking problem here eventually. That keeps me out of... And honestly, I should probably just sell the IWM because it's full of a bunch of stuff too. But I feel like, again, I got to own something. Maybe I should Maybe I should just sell the IWM. Move on One big years. report I'll be watching tomorrow is MTB. And so MTB is going to be one of the most important. I'll tell you why. Because they have an extreme amount of exposure in commercial real estate. I'm not going to tell you all the details because that's a lot in my deep report. But I'm telling you, this is one to watch, one to look into the report. And we don't even talk about commercial real estate. I mean, we're talking about residential mortgages. Commercial real estate is in a world of pain way beyond residential mortgages held at the That's banks. where the so problem is, Commercial real guys. estate is not coming back. Ghost town, some of these, you know, office buildings and stuff. We know it. So, you know, people can say, oh, yeah, real estate. It's commercial real estate. It's going to come back. We're all going to go back to the office. It's not happening. COVID changed the world forever. Commercial real estate, especially these big office complexes there, you don't want to own those things. Uh, just a quick technical comment on Bank America. You had an inside day yesterday. This thing just is not moving much. But let's hold, uh, if you're a Bank of America bull, you'll want to hold uh, the top of yesterday's range right here, 2718 and move your way up to 2772 but just not not a big reaction here to bank america earnings and just hanging out uh i'd be more interested on a dip here you do have the big boys stepping up at the 2650 level if the market goes into major ah, that's not even much of a gap 2636 so pretty well defined support on the downside really no two levels in the same uh place on the upside for bank of america Goldman Sachs also impressed reporting earnings per share of $5.47, surpassing the estimate of $5.31. Total net revenues for the quarter stood at $11.82 billion, beating the expectations. Their global market revenue reached $8.01 billion, and asset wealth management revenues hit $3.23 billion. Goldman Sachs was one that I was watching yesterday because it's bunched up here between $3.16 and like oh, look $3.06. At that. $3.06. Yeah. So it's definitely a good one, I think, to kind of keep an eye yeah. out for. We'll see what happens. I mean, oh, Goldman's in a better yeah. – I'd rather own Goldman or Morgan than these traditional banks. I'll say that much. So, you know, J.P. Morgan, if you're going to own the traditional banks. Goldman Sachs, if you want to own the investment banks. Goldman finds a way. Goldman's ahead of the curve. They're smart. They figure stuff out. 
the valuation is very reasonable. You're buying Goldman long term. Again, if we go into a regional banking crisis, which I've been predicting for a while to come back at us, it's not going to be good for Goldman either. I think that we'll survive it the best. Just like back during the actual financial crisis, Goldman, JP Morgan, those were the ones that held up the best, even though they got, but they still got killed. Goldman still got killed back then, even though it held up the best. But it wasn't like Lehman that went under. It wasn't like Bear Stearns that went under. So they still did well. But at the same time, I mean, you know, uh, uh, sinking ships, you know, sinks all ships. So especially when you're in that sector. So I just don't want to own banks. Short term, Goldman, I like you saying it's bunching up here. Let's put the trader hat on here above 316. If oh, it gets what, the earnings what a great level. I wish yeah, we would. I th- oh, yeah, I think a, so, Joel. What a fantastic level. I wish we would have been on live. What time did their earnings come out? And that would have been worth being uh, on live for that one. I mean, you have four highs above 316. And where does your pop go? Your pop goes to the 316.70. Uh, you have a, the highest of the highs is uh, 316.85. I mean, you can't ask for anything more than that. Goldman Sachs still in a downtrend here. Until not only clear 316, I'm not talking about a little blip up and then come back down. I'm talking about a sustained bid over 316 and you got a chance on this yeah one, uh, i think you got a short the earnings were fine here it's meandering around i think that the market turns around goldman will lead today so as a day trade here i don't mind goldman again overall markets dictating we're still macros we're still headline driven all this stuff is water under the bridge really all these little earnings here because what really matters here is where are we going you know how's the war looking how, what are long-term rates doing i mean those are the two things driving the bus the war and long-term rates it is uh 316 is on the upside. I do like this 308 level. If in fact we go into decline, that's six bucks away. Uh, over the last eight sessions, we've had three lows at the 308. So uh, that's what that's what's going on in Goldman Sachs. Dennis, you haven't said that in a while. And oh, what about and and okay? And let's see who's been paying attention over the years here. On the floor, what was the symbol? For Goldman Sachs, when Goldman Sachs was coming into the market big time, who's been paying attention to the show? I don't see Jay here. He'll probably remember, you know, like when like we come in, like Shearson used to be like this. Come on, Dennis, you should know this. I don't remember, Joel. And you were on the floor. I wasn't. So I know the stories from you, though. Right here. Oh, yeah. Crap. They show the ring, the gold ring. Yeah, the gold ring. That was the tip off. Like, you know, like you got your so, you know, back in the day, you got your big money institutional traders trading, you know, the big bucks coming in. And then you got the locals. Well, all these guys drink together. They're all buddies together. A lot of them, a lot of them have drinks together and stuff. So some of the locals that are trading their own account, be friends with the institutional traders and they'd be like, hey, buddy, just says this, just just describes this ring like this. It's like, oh, crap, Goldman's buying. And then the locals start buying it up because Goldman's oh, yeah. buying, and the rumors start, and then the whole market goes. I That's think how it worked the locals, back in the day. Everything was always rigged. Everything was always rigged. Precious. Shearson and then uh, Merrill Lynch, you know, <laughs> bullish on America. And I know this is one that our, our chat will like. Um, there used to be a company called Refco, right? And they, you would go like this Who's buying? Refco. Right. Joel, that's 420. Oh, that's for another show, Joel. That's for another that would, show. That would, Let me see if I could take that. That's for MSOS. There was a company named Hammerstone. That's pretty Hammerstone? easy, right? Hammerstone. You could have used that one, too. You could have yeah. used that one, too. 
No, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, back in the day. All right, how I digress. Let's get going. Oh, I like oh, the digression. That's, that's, that's our regularly man. scheduled programming. Dang good stories. Back up, back up. I want it. Take it, take it. <laughs> the good days on the floors. Uh, let's shift gears. Defense giant Lockheed Martin had a great quarter as well. Their adjusted earnings per share coming in at $6.77, beating the $6.66 estimate. Sales of $16.88 billion, outperforming the estimate estimate of 16.73 billion Lockheed Martin reiterated its full year 23 outlook with a strong gap EPS guidance and sales guidance here it's starting to bounce back of course it bounced off of the war and it's kind of in this gap situation where if you're gonna have to come after it you're gonna have to pay up a little bit here what do you guys think I think it's in war times here right now. We're worried about the wars escalating. Obviously, the Israel situation, the Middle East situation, the Ukraine situation continues to be there. But there's so this war Mark is worried about war. There's underneath demand for the pure war plays, and Lockheed Martin's a pure war play. So I think the dip gets bought. It already did. It already did. Uh, the uh, which I predicted days. last night. Yep, your three days. So you should have been out there at four thirty eleven. That's your three day low. And where do you go to? Uh, you got a little dip under that. You would have taken a little bit of heat when it went to four twenty nine. So I like that level on the downside. And you got a good level on the upside here too, or middle side, because we're right here at the parallels from yesterday um, at the four four thirty four fifty area. So if you know, maybe you miss the dip here, but if you feel like buying at a double bottom i don't think it'd be an exact triple bottom but uh there you go there's a technical setup as always when a stock opens lower your first point of resistance unless you want to get fancy that closing price like oh i should have taken Lockheed martin home long if i could just get out at like 440 or 440 10 or 440 20 so we'll see what kind of resistance you get there all right, guys, I do want to take a second here. It's 827. Um, we are going to get retail sales coming oh, at that's 830. Right. That's right. And so I'm going to try to pivot us a little bit. Then we'll go back to the major headlines. I'm going to pivot us down to two major upgrades that I was able to catch today. Um, and these come in from Goldman Sachs. It's in the retail sector. So it's interesting to talk about Goldman Sachs upgrading Dollar Tree to buy and lowering price target to 137. And then also upgrading Ollie's bargain outlet to buy and raising price target to 83. So my question is now, I saw it yesterday, I was talking about it on live trading, that I expected to see the consumer facing stocks now get a little bit of some seasonality push into the holidays. And then we'll see what happens after that. I expect the consumer slowdown coming in after that. But right now, retail stocks getting a lift. XRT, nice move yesterday. What are you guys thinking on retail? I mean, Dollar General and Dollar Tree look like they've turned a little bit here. The consolidation, they're starting to break out. I like the Dollar Tree chart. It's constructive here now. You know where your out is. It's the low of the move. Dollar General had, the obviously, the earnings guidance. It's turned them around. They haven't even snipped down. We talked about these things down near 100 bucks. I was saying if DG got down to 100 I was interested. Oh, if just missed it, 101.09. I didn't buy it. Dollar Tree. I think they're constructive, man. I think there's a trade down here eventually into some of these stores. Again, margins are being squeezed though, and debt load is high. So, you know, you've got to consider all that stuff here. But some of these things are just really beat up. Yeah, you got a catalyst here for the uh, DG, and you did get some file through there. There's a big gap there with the old new CEO coming in, uh, down 55 cents. So 
eventually you're going to get, I mean, off this rally, you can't, you get some kind of pullback, got awful close to that $100 area, Dollar Tree, who was the subject of that, up to 40 on 12,000 shares. Uh, two highs in the same area would not be until the 113.44 and a half area. So keep an eye on that. 113.44, 45. All right, Dennis, we'll you going see. wide here? Or no, what are you do? I, ah. I went gutsy and I didn't go wide. You guys Am can cover this, folks. <laughs> we'll see. Here cover we maybe Lulu. Find out. Ah, go wide. Nah, go wide. Go go I'm out. Bing, bing, bing. You just got hit on your <laughs> Canceled bits. it all. <laughs> ah. There Love the cancel all button. Boom. Oh my gosh! Are there no retail sales at all? They're gonna take <laughs> the, the S I out said of it. it. Uh, Four thirty-four hit on spot. I was like, cancel all. <laughs> I, I didn't get <laughs> these guys. I, I have to go oh, look. I don't uh, take a I look at Lulu's chart. Lulu's action yesterday. While I grabbed these uh, Is retail that sales. jumpers? It's got to be out here, Mitch. We're not seeing it's out sales. here. Yeah. U.S. September retail sales are out. They're coming out here right now. Just yep. getting the obviously the bots get them way before we do because that's right. the way this world works. So it comes in at 0.7 versus a 0.3 estimate. This is exactly what I'm talking about. This is going to help some retail names here. Hot. Boom, boom, boom. That's going to help out the situation here. And it's seasonality. And that's another thing that comes into play here. So that's what I'm calling out here. Seasonality. Look at those September uh, numbers come in here. 0.7 versus 0.03. And so now I saw stocks yesterday moving. AEO, ANF at their all-time high, moving higher. Um, now I'm Wait, calling AO out. Is that its all time high? I mean, they're 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 yeah, moving okay. 52, okay. Well, 52, yeah, 52 yeah, week high. Okay. A and F. Look I did the same thing, Mitch. I always get excited. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, they're Joel, they're a little right. bit. A and F, baby. Look at that thing. Look at that thing. Burning. Rocketing, man. How does how's this thing moving like that? Right now, I think this could actually start getting like let's say Macy's or a KSS going here. Um, you saw it kind of bottoming out. I I see those charts right now, and I'm like, all right, well. Looks like to me, like maybe stepping up here off the support 1075, things like that. I'm going to start looking at these companies to see what happens if we get a seasonality lift for the holidays. All right. So it was a good number. So a good number means that uh, the Fed's got more work to do. The interest rates are, are heading higher. So they hit it. But then they realize, well, the economy's not rolling over. We're still doing okay. So mixed bag here with uh uh with the retail sales bitch uh 0.7 versus 0.3 i mean holy mackerel that get the consumer is spending yeah the consumer it, finding the way to find finding money. the way now again give a perspective here joel because la like the prior was Low. so the prior was 0.9 percent. so you know we got to give a perspective here but this is a good number i mean this is a yeah. good number if you're in the and that the consumer is going to continue to find money here. Yeah, I, I, I'm in the camp that it's seasonality also coming into there play. We'll, we'll get a nice little spike, but I'm not in this camp on January. Don't 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 expect me to be in this camp at the beginning of the year. That's when I expect to see the big slowdown. This holiday could still see the lift. We'll see what happens well, also there. Also, back to school. Back to school. Yeah, exactly. Played into these numbers, right? Let's go to Choice Hotels as they're proposing to acquire Wyndham Hotels Resorts for ninety dollars per share in a cash and stock transaction. CHH definitely taking a kind of a little bit of a lift there. Wyndham. Um, what do you guys think about this? I mean, big jump for Winham. I, I mean, if you're an investor in Winham today, you're not mad at least. 
I mean, it's a merger, right? So is this official or a rumor? Uh, right now, it's proposed. They proposed to acquire for ninety. Yeah, that's so, that's the problem and then it's there. Cash it's and stock, so so there there's not an announcement here. They're trying to acquire it. Looks like it so. was up there just a few minutes ago. Yeah, I don't know, but they they've been saying no. They've been saying no. They've been saying no, and uh, the street doesn't put not putting a lot of faith in this deal going. There's been a either. lot of little M and A action lately, though, eh? Like we also have. So coincidentally, we just had at eight thirty. We had another one breaking here too. Sorry, at eight twenty. Therm, small deal, but Thermo Fisher, TMO, is going to acquire OLK for 26 bucks. OLK is halted right now. I don't even know this company at all. O-L-K. It's an ADR. Olink holding AB ADR. So, but it is, it's it's halted right now and it's bid 25. So it's going to come up here. So this stock's going to go from 15 to basically 24, $25 here. Been a little bit of like combing around, you know, and people finding diamonds in the rough here to a certain extent here. Um, I mean, there's been some deals. All right, let's go ahead. I uh, thought we were going to get some technical comments. Joe, what are we looking at? I, I mean, I, I mean, I don't know. I mean, the there's no OLK just... technicals needed because that's kind yeah, of no. you know, okay. Bring it, bring it back to the CHH. So, you know, risk oh, arbitrage yeah. comes involved here, obviously. Bring up. Choice Hotels gets hammered because they're talking about a stock deal. Potentially, when the stock deals, they hammer them more. CHH versus WH. I mean, I don't know if it's going to be an official deal announced here or not, but they're proposing around 90 in stock and cash. CHH is getting hit because that's what they do is they smash the acquirer when they pay the premium, especially in this environment, especially if they're using any type of debt to do it because this market is so scared of debt here right now. Lots to chew on here. I mean, but it's difficult to do technicals on M&A plays. 116, though, if you're a buyer, I mean, 116 was your low from a couple days ago. And I just, you know, you got to see what the reaction is. I mean, they hammered ExxonMobil, right, off that, you know, when they were doing yep. that deal with PXD. Well, you did have a, a substantial rally in the crude oil market. But look look at the way that bought. And not, I, I don't, it doesn't look like the, they think this deal is going through. Wyndham is trade uh trading way off its high it's pre-market high is over 82 dollars and that oh no 80 no it did get up to 85.50 whoa someone bought that a little bit high they're down seven bucks already all right the traders. they just read 85.50 they're like oh yeah 85.50 90 i'm making money no dumb should have used chat gpt <laughs> let's get to the action guys let's get to our guest today you guys out there smash a like if you're enjoying the show Rocky Horner, she's had a futures trading over there at Simpler Trading. Rocky, how you doing today? I always feel like I should have a cape on whenever I hear that intro music. Good to see you guys. <laughs> to infinity and beyond. <laughs> okay, Rocky, so let's get right to it. The market shouldn't have rallied yesterday with the bonds and the TLT down, and it did. You get a hot retail sales number. I mean... We're just, just kind of muddling along here. What's a, just get, give us your, your, your macro take, your big picture take on the markets. We look at what the Federal Reserve wants to do. I think they're making it clearer and clearer that we're going to hold for the remainder of 2023. So what are bonds saying? Why are bonds still in a downtrend? Why are yeah. yields still up? And I think it has a lot to do with bond traders saying you're keeping rates too high for too long because the only time that we have a fully discounted expectation of a quarter point cut 
is in July of 2024. And that might as well be the year 3000 as far as bonds and equities are concerned. So there's a there's a lot of upset uh, about with how long Powell and company are going to keep rates higher and and bonds are basically reflecting that. But it's hard not to be a bull here. You know, you're talking about retail sales. Uh, I love that you guys were talking about the, the seasonal tendencies. If I step back and look at mid-October, and we are right in that sweet spot where if we're going to have a little bit more volatility and start to move higher into mid to late November, now is the time. And, and retail is one of them. We should have a really good seasonal type move between now and, say, Halloween. But it's going to be a rocky move. But overall, moving higher seasonally, right, between now and, say, mid to late November. Roggy, it's been the tale of two markets here, though. And, you know, the bulls will say, well, look at, you know, at the NASDAQ and the bears will say, well, look at the IWM. I mean, we have complete separation here. We have some companies in vicious bear markets and we have some companies that just are sustained bull markets. It's really what we have. Do you think we're going to have an everything rally going into the end of the year where we're coming to the IWM and load up and buy banks and buy beaten down retail names because they are beaten down, you know, the airlines, the cruise lines? Or do you stick with what works? Do you stick with the Apples and the Microsofts and the Googles and the Metas because they continue to just hold up? Where are you going if you're looking to, you know, to obviously participate in an end of the year rally? I love what you said because everything about what you said is what is not being talked about in all the other media. We're looking at the pieces of the market. The habit of saying the market is something I'm trying to kick, right? Because you nailed it. There's IWM, that's small cap, that's regional banks. They're doing their own thing, and it ain't pretty. You look at big banks, XLF, impacting the DIA, being the number one sector, and it ain't so pretty. So when you look at the Dow, and it's having a hard time gaining traction, you look at its number one weighted sector, and you say, but of course, that cylinder isn't even firing. Same thing with with small cap, same thing with that Russell. Now, you shift on over to tech. And I'm going to leave consumer discretionary out because even though it's a third weighted sector in the NAS, tech and communications, Apple, Microsoft, Meta, Google, and I'll throw Amazon in there, you know, prime day. But really, if I take a look at tech, tech's the only one of the sectors that remained above the 200 period exponential moving average. Tech's the only one that survived that little bit of an onslaught at the end of Q3. So I'm bullish, but like you said, we've got to pick our spots. And yeah. is this a stock picker's market, sector picker's market? I, always, I think it almost always is, except for it's kind of oasis years like 2020 where everything moves higher. But we've been doing this a long time. We know we've got to look at relative outperformance. Um, the tide can lift most boats right now, and I'm definitely <laughs> favoring favoring tech. Healthcare is having actually a pretty good move here in Q4, but we got to stay specific to the sectors, which is why all the indices look so wobbly. Roggy, how do you, how do you like black out like everything that's going on right now? I mean, obviously, you know, news sources, the internet, I mean, you're getting everything. Well, some is true. Some is not truth. I mean, you're, you're looking at a, a geopolitical situation that uh, I don't know if it's ever been worse in, in, in my entire lifetime here. Um, how do you, how do you separate that? I mean, I know you have your technicals and, uh, you know, um, fundamentals and everything, but I mean, it's like, you know, you, you don't want to turn your phone on in the morning. How, how, how do you separate the, the whole entire geopolitical situation from, from your trading? When we are trading, we can't be human. We just can't. And I don't mean that. And we're machines. 
whatever is 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 thumping away in the heart when we hear about what's happening globally as a trader it doesn't matter right we were told ukraine was supposed to do certain things to powell's monetary policy it did the opposite right we're, we're we hear about what's going on in the middle east right now it doesn't it and i don't want to make it sound like it doesn't matter but to the trader in me it it doesn't matter crude should be skyrocketing it's not right if we think about where those things map to i remember being a kid i was in college and i dealt with my first geopolitical crisis and it was gulf one and i thought oh for sure crude's gonna move it ended up being gold i think gold's moving pretty well right now when we're having this issue so as hard as it is we have to compartmentalize and how do i ignore the news i think about what makes me money i look at my family I look at the people I love. I look at my members and say, how do I take care of them both best? Um, I have to ignore the news. I look at the charts. I look at volume. And I got to remember, I tell the size and price tells the story. I think price and volume tell the story. So as hard as it is, we got to compartmentalize. And I think, you know, this is what I love about what you guys do. When I turn the news on, I got to remember, those people aren't talking their book. We and, and the folks listening, we are managing our own money. We are taking our own risk. We are taking our own punches. We are talking our book. And I, I take that as a sense of pride. When I talk about XLC and XLK, I've got skin in the game. So that's where I also want to make sure I'm listening to people who are talking their book. Tell me you're in the trenches with me. You got the butterflies in your stomach, both in, and in your heart, but you got to shut the heart off because that's never going to make us money. And that's the way I look at it. And it's hard. You're right. It's hard and it's gut wrenching, but it's our job. Yeah. And not uh, everyone think, can do it. And I think that also goes into play with logic and what's not logical play and trying to bring logic into the market. If it was like that, I think we'd all be reading just one book on the market. Uh, but as you can see, many books behind Raggy. Um, let's get to the action. Let's talk a little bit about the Fed talk. Of course, uh, the chat's talking about that maybe there could be a rally because of a pause. But I think that's almost like an expectation now, right, in the market. I think that's also why we might have gotten this lift in technology as it's almost a given that we're maybe one more interest rate, hike rate, but I think it's at a pause at this point. Now it's just going to be the focus on the pivot. What are you seeing here from the Fed? Pause into the end of the year. And this this is not my thinking. This is my just simply looking at talking about talking your book. You know, I love mm -hmm. Fed fund futures. Those are people who placed a bet in a futures contract and are saying, look, it's more probable that we pause to the remainder of the year rather than get one more quarter point bump. And then there are the same folks that are saying we're not seeing a cut in the picture until July. So if we're going to see a, a, a cheap money, yay, the Fed's going to cut rally that expectation's got to move into at least May before there's any excitement there. However, you know, I think about who are the folks moving money? I'm a retail trader, right? So I'm not going to try to think I'm something that I'm not. However, if I think about the job of people moving money, this end of year is what? They're not dumping positions. I mean, we're going to see our tax loss harvesting, you know, last couple of weeks of December, sure. But this is where weakness gets weaker and strength gets stronger because, I know some folks want to say window dressing doesn't exist. The heck it doesn't. Of course it does. We want to show, right, a good showing. If I'm if I'm having to show my statement, if I'm having to show my portfolio to the world, to my clients and say, this is why you stick with me in 2024. These are the holdings you've got. They want to show, hey, yeah. you've got the strength in your portfolio. And right now that's tech. So I think tech's going to continue to benefit from that bargain hunting. I and think healthcare probably is too. 
Sorry. It's such a t tricky environment. I'm going to piggyback everything you're saying here. But the reason that I wouldn't be bearish tech, and you know, I don't like the valuations, and I've said, you know, I don't like the Apple valuation. I don't own in my long-term portfolio. But you know, going into the end of the year, it sets up well. It's what's working. And then I'm going to continue to say is a lot of these companies just don't have debt. So when you don't have a lot of debt, these higher rates aren't impacting you as much. Now, again, your consumer, if they got to finance stuff, that can be a different story. But overall, companies that are burdened with debt are the ones that have really been beaten up in the last six to eight weeks. And the companies that are basically debt free, Tesla being one of them, which sounds insane to talk about, um, you know, is holding up relatively well. And people are like, well, I don't get why Tesla can trade 65 times earnings and GM can trade five times earnings and it doesn't make any sense. Well, you know, if you look at the debt load, it does make some sense. But it's not only that, you know, you got to look at, you know, costs and labor costs and they're trying to renegotiate. And Tesla workers are sitting here at $44 an hour and, you know, GM and, and Chrysler and, and Ford workers want $100 an hour. I mean, there's so many considerations here. But I mean, I just keep separating it here. And I want to be clear because a lot of people think I'm bearish tech. I'm not really bearish tech. I'm bearish, you know, a lot of other stocks here that have a lot of debt. That's what we've been saying the last. It's changed for me in the last few weeks. If I'm short in stocks, it's mostly we keep doing this exercise. We go on the Benzinga Pro and we're like, who's got that? You know, if people say, do you like this stock? I was like, well, how much debt do they got? I'm like, no, I don't like the stock right now because we're in a rising rate environment. But I mean, there's a separation happening here, Rocky. And it's a lot to do with how much debt is on those books of these individual companies. You're absolutely correct in that if I'm looking, so this is where everything you said spot on. I mean, you know this, you don't need me to agree with you, but I think if I'm taking that information in and I did, right? And I think we're we're looking at a time horizon that's probably six months, 10 months, 12 months. So to me, it really breaks down to, I don't know what your time horizon is. And that, and that would be a great thing to ask all three of you. When you guys are putting on a trade, what's the time horizon? What's that life cycle of the trade? For me right now, I'm thinking maybe end of the week. I'm thinking, what are the trades that I can put on today, end yeah. of the week, maybe end of the month? So my time horizon is a day to maybe two weeks at this point. I've taken what you're taking, which is just top notch. But now that's that's a six-month conversation to me. That's maybe a daily time frame conversation, a weekly chart conversation that I can hang on to for weeks, if not months. And then I start to think about why is Tesla benefiting in this environment and GM is not. I go back to waiting. If the NASDAQ's moving higher, Absolutely. whether it wants to or not, the third weighted sector, consumer discretionary, has got to participate in some small way. And our number two weighted stock there is Tesla. So I love what you're saying. And then it's going to benefit from a little bit of that rising tide in the NASDAQ. There's a lot of reasons to not be bearish tech and to be bearish other things. And sure. your ETF, what you, the point you're making is fabulous as well. I mean, it's the reason that the S&P looks so much different than the IWM. It's all about weightings. And I mean, those companies continue to hold up well. So I think like what you're saying, and you know, I agree with you. It's a stock picker's market. And you just can't blindly, we're not in 2020 anymore. I like when you said that too, that you just blindly buy a stock. Yeah, David Portnoy throwing darts and putting three letters together and showing you how to make money. And then you just go buy whatever. We're not in Kansas anymore. We're not in that environment anymore. You got to do some research, some homework, but have the technical set up. And what has been outperforming maybe continues just to outperform it. Maybe that's just what this market is. Raghi, I wanted to ask you about all this fuss about the Bitcoin ETF and how that could come into play with Bitcoin and maybe some stocks, some mining stocks. So what do you think about this situation? I will be frank. I haven't given it a thought 
until I start to see the way it's reacted to. Because let's face it, Mitch, we've we've been here before and then we're let down. We've been here before. So I'm not jumping the gun. Let it happen, right? And then let me see how it's been perceived. Because I don't want to get caught up in the run-up excitement only to kind of buy the rumor, sell the news. And so let's see how it happens, how it's received, and, and how distracted traders and investors are because there's a lot of distraction out there right now. And I don't know that the attention is going to be there the way I want it to be. Now, the optimism of the, of the new year, you know, we kind of start with a clean slate. I'm thinking Q1 would be when I'm going to start paying attention. But right now, Q4, I think there's too many other things that are that we're thinking about. And I just don't think that's front and foremost in people's minds. And let's face it, attention goes. That's where the money flows. And I'm just not seeing it yet. All right. We've been on the line with Roggy Horner. She heads up the Futures uh, Division over there at Simpler Trading. Joining us here on Pre-Market Prep, Roggy, always great speaking to you. We'll dial you up again real soon. Thanks, guys. Great to see you all. Thanks, everyone. Okay. We got major headlines breaking here. 847, 848, 849. NVIDIA, this is affecting all chips, but a U.S. official says that exports of NVIDIA's H800 chips to China will be restricted under updated export control rules. Limiting the number of chips for consumer applications will be subject to notification requirements. It looks like government restrictions coming here on NVIDIA exports to China. Um, Stock is trading down 19 points here now. We're down 4%. This is just, you know, a disaster for not even NVIDIA, but for a number of other companies here as well in the chip sector. Um, I'm not sure if there's separate news on VMware, but VMware just fell 20 bucks here. I mean, we've got major falls here. VMware was sitting up here near 52-week high yesterday. Just a, a, a quiet 20-point haircut in VMware as well. It's down 11% here right now. Um, I've just, you know, obviously we've been talking with Raggy here, I, trying to digest what I'm reading here. But this is, you know, the reason that we just took a leg down the markets. NVIDIA, AMD is down here, not nearly as much. Or Intel getting hit a little bit here. I'm just going through some of the majors. But... You know, AVGO is down $17 here right now, which is Broadcom. Obviously, they have that uh, VMware that's affecting. I don't know. What do you think here, guys? I mean, uh, this has been an ongoing situation, right? We've mm-hmm. already heard that this has been a battle between the U.S. and China, and a lot of this coming in with the AI talk also, right? Um, we don't want them to be having access to the powerful chips that they could build on with AI, um, just recently, China released that they wanted to push on their technology and really get their chips to the next level. This is a battle of technology, right? And the U.S. wants to win this time and doesn't want China to have the advantages that they normally have had in the past. So with that being said, I think you'll see more and more restrictions for China. How does that weigh in for these tech stocks? It's definitely going to weigh in on them. I would also pay attention to like ASML, like the chip equipment makers, things like that. I think that's something definitely to keep your eyes out for as you're starting to see the leak also show up there. Um, Those types of stocks, I'll also consider to see them kind of get a hit. And now I think that Wall Street's really placed badly on this because we just talked about it, how NVIDIA had those price targets of what? 1100 on the high. 1100 you think they're on the wrong side ridiculously like chasing chasing lemmings 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 uh dennis how long ago did you ask this is actually so this china news gonna put the avgo vmware deal in doubt here probably as well 
So, you know, just thinking, you know, like, why is VMware getting murdered here? Well, I mean, this puts this deal in jeopardy here, too. Obviously, AVGO is, you know, uh, is trying to buy VMware uh, antitrust issues here. And obviously, you know, China issues as well. So this doesn't help. You know, the, the, we were thinking, you know, obviously the market was thinking this deal is going to get done. Now it's putting that in jeopardy. So lots to unpack here. Joel, what were you asking me? No, no, no. You were just asking a few minutes ago, but I think before Rocky came on, you're like, what's up with NVIDIA? You know, what what's going on? Who had the super extra newswire? I think there was something yesterday that was said regarding this, and we touched on it briefly, and that's why NVIDIA was down in the morning and uh, ended up rallying back. This is a little bit more serious of a decline. We just oh. made a pre-market low at 441.50. Uh, do we have, um, well, you got a couple lows here. If the bulls want to step up, they're going to do it at the 440 area. Um, two lows going back to October 5th and October 6th, right at the 440 area. Um, on a rebound here, you could see the bottom of yesterday's range at 449.12. Uh, but the way things are shaping up, I don't, think you're going to see that closing price at 60.95 it's just uh you know it's like people are ahead of the news there that thing was traded down what six seven bucks when we were talking about it before and Dennis, yeah. i think you might have asked about it on, uh, on the pre-pre-market show too so uh yeah. this big impact here this is uh this is a big move lower here for in people are just ahead of the news too much i mean the leak and the lululemon was just ridiculous going back to people ahead of the news i mean it was trading up all day it leaked so much that i guess it was rumored even on twitter that lululemon was going in and then it goes in and the stock obviously pops up and you know and, and that's what it is they usually pop they usually hold for a few days and then they eventually start to leak so um, you know, I got run over in that. I did cover yesterday at 397 and 398. Thankfully, you know, you take the losers and you move on. But, you know, it just ticks you off when people are in the know. I mean, as a trader, there's nobody that's going to harm you more than an insider who has information because you're going to be on the wrong side almost every single time because they're guaranteed on the right side. That's why insider trading, these leaks, there's no way to stop them. There's always going to be there. But it's just sad, you know, when you see stuff like that. All right. We are trading on the lows of the session. Uh, and we are at the end of day low for yesterday, which I didn't think would hold up. So 77.50. Uh, your true low from yesterday is uh, way down at 54 and a half. Uh, of course, uh, my question of the day well, wasn't going to change the market. What could take us down? Well, there you guys see it. I, I think we just got our answer, right? And so um, the only question is, will this kind of turn around that cues? Of course, um, we were looking at them pretty strong. Tech was really strong yesterday. The leadership strong yesterday. We'll see if that leadership turns around here. I, I think, you know, that is what would take the S&Ps down. The IWM is just obviously... You know, it doesn't have the NVIDIAs and the, and the Apples and all the other stocks have been holding up very well. So I think, you know, if you lose a few of the generals, that is how what's going to take the S&P down. If you lose them, yeah. NVIDIA, you're losing year to day, but maybe it bounces back. You know, it's underneath the man to Raggy's point. There's people who want to own these stocks. They think this is an overreaction. So I'm not going to just write off because NVIDIA is down 16 bucks. I'm not just going to write off the market here. But I mean, 
if you saw an earnings warning from somebody, it, like if video was warning, different. that would That's scare different. me more than you know you've got you know a, a, a rumor that you know we're going to restrict. We don't even know if this is you know rumors going to materialize into something restricting you know exports into China. So lots to unpack here, lots to think about. But to Mitch's point, I mean this you know the seven stocks, a magnificent seven. You don't want bad news if you're an S and P bull. You don't want any bad news from any of the Magnificent Seven because that's what continues to hold the S&P up. Last earnings stock, Johnson & Johnson, Q3 adjusted EPS, $2.66 beats the $2.51 estimate. Sales of $21.35 billion beat the $21.04 estimate. They see fiscal year sales of $83.6 billion to $84 billion. Uh, compared to the prior range of 82 to 83.2 to 84 billion, a consensus of 84.53 billion for fiscal year 23. They expect fiscal year 23 adjusted EPS of $10.07 to $10.13 at a prior range of $10 to $10.10. So pretty much in line with their expectations. Uh, been a wild ride for me on this one. I was short at going into the report. Um, <laughs> I just covered it actually just a, a couple minutes ago here. So um, so I can freely talk about it here now. I kind of thought it wouldn't hold. You know, it's consumer staple. I was like, ah, the earnings are okay. And I'm like, it was up three bucks. And you're like, yeah, I'll try not to look at it because I think it's going to come back in. <laughs> I, I, I just had a feeling it was going to come back in and it did. So I've just come all the way full circle and I'm actually going to, you know, not lose very much on this trade so probably should have <laughs> lost more they raised guidance even i mean it just shows you how much they hate all consumer staples right now so i kind of thought that if they missed that they would hammer the stock and i thought if they beat i thought that it's not going to rally very much so i like the setup short obviously they they beat the number very well they actually raised guidance i mean it really couldn't have been worse from a headline perspective for a short and I still didn't lose money. So it's telling you that, you know, I was still on the right side of the trade, even though I was wrong. Dennis, what what chapter are you going to put in that I decided not to look at it? Um, <laughs> <laughs> That's the chapter with Kathy's face on the front. <laughs> That's a good one. I don't think I've ever... Dennis, I've heard you say a lot of things before. I decided not to look at it. It was up three bucks this morning. I'm like, I'm just going to take J&J off my screen because I think I just kept saying to myself, it's like, going to ruin the day. It's not going to stay up three bucks today. It's up 23 cents here now. And I'm like, okay. Yeah, it was a pretty good quarter. It's time to cover. <laughs> no, if you're trading a stock that's in a major downtrend and it normally moves a buck, a buck and a half a day. And it moves three bucks off a report. I don't know if there was any daily levels, a big psychological level. Like you don't think there was stock sitting at one sixty before, you know? And they get yeah. a chance to sell it at one sixty. So uh, I like that one, Dennis. You got the lawsuit still in there. I mean, any type of rally is just met with willing sellers. Meaning, thank you, thank you for giving me my money back because nobody sells at a loss. Thank you for giving me my money back. I mean, that's just the way this market trades. And you're right, Joel. Just huge overhead supply. <laughs> Consumer staples are hated. You got the TLT massacred again here today. I mean, there's just no reason to own consumer staples right now. Not until the TLT gets back above 90. 156.84 was your low from yesterday. So we'll use that as potential support, trying to hold on change. And then your two day low is 156. You know, the 150. So it looks like they're nibbling at the whole numbers here. Let's see if they do that at uh, 157. SP is uh, continuing the leak here. 
down 24 and a quarter handles, not taking the NVIDIA news in stride here. And, and again, this VMware, you know, like risk arbs just getting hammered on this thing right now because they're saying, yeah, this deal's almost done. And now all of a sudden looks like it's in jeopardy and boom, you know, down 10% just like that. That's why you got with those things, man, when you get a bird in the hand like that, I don't know how many Take times it you, and run. You, you, you got don't it. sit around and wait for the last couple of bucks. When you're in these risk, mer- you know, when you look, look at my iRobot. Remember the iRobot? Oh, my God. I had that thing. A 30, well, we can go look at it on the charts. I had it in the long-term portfolio. It was like, what, 30, what was it when it got taken over? Like 37 bucks. And then Amazon took it over for 55 or something. And it got, no, it was, it was even more than that. No, it was back in July. Here it was, back here. It was like $40. And Amazon took it over for like 62. Well, it went to 60 that day. And I'm like, thank you very much. Ring the register. I'm out of here. This was back in July of 2022. The thing's now at 38. The deal's still on the table. I mean, it hasn't been killed, but it looks like it ain't going to happen. I mean, I don't understand antitrust when you're buying a $1 billion company, but whatever. I mean, it doesn't look like this deal is, you know, materializing anytime soon. Bird in the hand. Take it. Run. Don't wait around for the last buck or two because sometimes it's a really costly buck or two. Okay, I'm going to wrap things up here. Just trading on the lows of the session. If I told you there was good support in here, I'd be lying to you. Uh, yesterday's low, 54.50. That's still 20 handles away. Uh, so that'd be a good target on the downside. We'll see if we get uh, any kind of bounce off this news. And uh, looking forward to having Craig Johnson out of, um, on nice. tomorrow from Piper Jeffrey. All right, now we'll see what happens there. Dennis Dick, Joel Alcon, and go do what you guys do best, my friend. See you Don't guys. get after it. Definitely keep up with them on Twitter. Like always, you guys can keep up with Dennis Dick, Triple D Trader, and Joel at Spoos. Uh, let's definitely get to some trading action, and we'll see whatever happens today. But I definitely feel like there's one type of trader that's on the wrong side of the tape. And a lot of this with this news coming in, come find out exactly what that trade is on live trading. So if you want the good stuff, guess what? You have to come over to live trading. I will see you guys over there. I'm ready to get after those trades. So no time to wait, time to get after those trades. I'll see you guys over there. Don't go anywhere, team.